Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoy today's program. One of the many magnificent stories recorded in the passages of the New Testament is the account of the conversion of the fierce persecutor of the church, Saul of Tarsus. The book of Acts gives a rather detailed account of how the Lord gained this fierce opposer. These details, when opened up from the scripture and in God's shining, afford us one of the most inspiring accounts in all the Bible. Welcome to the Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. I'm really looking forward to this message, and I'm happy that we have Francis Ball back once again to enjoy it and assist in opening up one of the hidden portions in the Bible. Francis, welcome once again. Thank you very much. I'm always happy to be involved in this kind of study, particularly with this book. Francis, we're going to spend the first of three days this week talking about the dynamic conversion recorded in the book of Acts of Saul of Tarsus, eventually to become the Apostle Paul. I think I'll read a verse from the beginning of chapter 9. I think it will give us a little background on what kind of character the Lord was dealing with here in this portion. This is verse 1 and part of verse 2. But Saul, still breathing threatening and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to Damascus for the synagogue, so that if he found any who were of the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Francis breathing out threatenings and even murder. What about Saul of Tarsus? Well, this man, Chris, is really something amazing. Such a man qualified in so many ways to be a person that would uh, have that kind of attitude and also, I would say, have that kind of position and ability to even carry it out. He thought himself to be somebody, and it turns out he was somebody. You know, for one thing, it's a rare case that God does his gospel work directly by himself. Since God created man, he's done everything by and through man. But here is a case where apparently no human vessel was used to preach the gospel to Saul. But the Lord came directly to him from the heavens. I say apparently because as we read the entire account here in Acts, we realize that Saul definitely was impressed when uh, Stephen was stoned. He was there. So there was at least one witness of Christ that could have had a great deal of influence and effect on Saul's conversion. At any rate, the fact is that this man was such a person, raised up as a Pharisee among the Jews, and also a Roman by birth, and educated in the Greek culture, so he was a qualified person in several different directions because of his background, his position, and particularly his strong character and being so zealous for the religion of his fathers. He became the strongest kind of opposer 
to the believers of that time. We need a full account of how the Lord captured such a person. This record of his conversion has a lot of light in it, showing us the work of the heavenly Christ moving to carry out God's economy on earth. Of course, God's enemy Satan knew quite well what God's plan is, so he did his best to gain this vessel before God did. So we will see how God touches Saul in a very direct and meaningful way as a chosen vessel. Chris, there are a number of key points in this chapter that many Bible teachers or Bible students have missed. I believe today's message will be an eye-opener to us all. Francis, you mentioned the key points. Many people are impressed with this chapter because of this dynamic conversion. But it is the details that unlock the full picture, and I think that's what will really become a treat for our listeners if they focus and stay with us in the next three programs as we really look at the significance behind the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Let's join Witness Lee. Well, this is another wonderful portion of the Word. In the uh, previous chapter, we have seen a persecutor, a young man, a very smart young man, a young man with a strong purpose. According to history, he studied the University of Tarsus in Greek. He got his Greek education in the University of Tarsus, where he was born and raised up. He himself told us that he was under the feet of the great teacher, great rabbi Gamaliel. So he received the Hebrew education, that is, his religious education, under the teaching of that great teacher Gamaliel. So no doubt, Paul the Apostle was a great scholar in both the Greek and the Hebrew languages. Not only so, but also in both the Greek culture and the Hebrew religion. And he was under the Roman politics. We all know in history, the Western culture was composed with the three elements, Hebrew religion, Greek culture, and Roman politics. This is so-called the Western culture on this earth. And he was, in all these three, he was educated in the Greek culture, and he was taught in the Hebrew religion, and he was born a Roman. That means his parents or grandparents got naturalized. So you could see he was qualified in three ways. In the Greek culture, in the Hebrew religion, and the Roman politics. He was such a person. The Lord is sovereign. He knows everything. Think about it. No other one could be so qualified as he was to bear such a commission to bring God's New Testament economy in full to the Gentile world. No other one was so qualified. Concerning Hebrew religion, he was in it. He was an expert, knowing that. 
concerning Greek culture, he was in it. He was a top expert knowing the Greek culture and concerning the Roman politics. He was under that Roman government throughout his life. So he was so qualified. Francis, as we spoke earlier, we're going to see over the next few days that the details of the account of Paul's conversion are all vital in getting the real vision of how the Lord prepared and used the great Apostle Paul. Saul was a remarkable man even before his conversion. What is the significance of this threefold qualification that we heard about? Uh, Brother Lee brought out that even though Saul was a Jew, he was also a Roman citizen. And as such, he was acquainted with the Roman politics. Uh, He was also educated in the Greek culture under Gamaliel, a top teacher of that day, and probably at the University of Tarsus. This threefold qualification really makes him a suitable vessel to spread the gospel of Christ to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews. So those threefold qualifications are the fact that he was a Jew and he was a Roman citizen, and he was also educated in the Greek culture. As we follow the life of ministry of Paul in coming books of the Bible and the epistles that he was responsible for, and of course in the balance of the book of Acts, the Lord needed all three of these components of his background and training really to eventually have an opportunity to unfold everything that came to the body of Christ through the Apostle Paul, didn't he? You could say that he was a well-prepared vessel and the experiences that he had before the Lord called him. I think this is just a marvelous lesson to us, that the Lord is so economical, and even our human training and the development of our human vessel prior to our being a Christian is something that that in his hand is ultimately useful. It's true. Nearly everyone, what they get in the way of experience and education is useful to the Lord under his hand. Francis, before we go back to Witness Lee, let me ask you about a phrase that we touched on in the verses we read at the beginning of the program, and we just heard Witness Lee also refer to it. In verse 2, Paul was talking about having authority to bind all of those who were of the way. What's the significance of this phrase, the way? That, Chris, is quite a marvelous term. I read a book once called The People of the Way, and it showed how we need to be people that are just of this way that's referred to in this chapter. As a matter of fact, there's quite a number of times that the whole New Testament refers to this way. It's the way, it denotes the Lord's full salvation in God's New Testament economy. And it's the way that God dispenses himself into the believers through Christ's redemption and, of course, the Spirit's anointing. And it's the way the believers partake of God and enjoy God. It is the way the believers worship God in their spirit by enjoying him and follow the persecuted Jesus by being one with him. And it is the way they are brought into the church and built up into the body of Christ to bear the testimony of Jesus. So this term, the way, can also include the way of truth, the reality of the contents of the New Testament, a straight way, the way of peace, the way of salvation, the way of God, the way of the Lord, and the way. And it was sometimes slandered as the way of heresy. So this term, the way, is a full term that means a lot. 
And if the listeners missed some of the things that I said and want some references, they could write in for the book. It includes all these terms and where they're found. Of course, the book that you're referring to, Francis, is The Life Study of Acts, uh, Volume 2, that we're talking about today. And we'll come back at the end of the program and give our listeners uh, full information about how they can receive it and the very special offer that we've created for our radio listeners. Let's go back to Witness Lee. We're going to see now one of the hidden but most significant of all revelations in the New Testament. Here's Witness Lee. At the beginning, he was gained by Satan. And Satan, of course, he also knew that he was something. Paul was something. So firstly, before the Lord did something, and Paul, Satan took him. And Satan not only took him, but also instigated him to take the leading part in persecuting the followers of Jesus. When Stephen was martyred, probably many persecutors went away, but he still remained there to devastate the church. The word Luke chooses is such a word, devastate, to devastate, to destroy, to demolish, the entire church, all the followers of Jesus. And that was what he was doing. And he did that in Jerusalem. And that was not sufficient to him. So he got the authority from the high priest to go down to Damascus. A lot scattered thing there. If you read the history and you read geography, Damascus was the best place for the scattered Jewish believer to be because Samaria was not so good for any Jew to be. But Damascus, Syria, was the best place. So many went there, and they went there bearing a sign. What sign? The sign of calling upon the name of Jesus. And this was their sign. And Saul intended to go there. He didn't need any kind of symbol. Just this one thing was sufficient for him to arrest all Jesus' callers. That was his intention. Don't you think when he got authority and when he got on the way toward Damascus, he was happy. I got the chance and I'm going to arrest all Jesus' callers and bring them into Jerusalem and put them into jail. But the Lord Jesus, I believe the Lord Jesus was watching, watching over Saul, marching crazily, heavily, exultingly from Jerusalem toward Damascus. And probably he would have seen the city. It says here, he drew near to Damascus. Maybe it's outside the city of Damascus. He was happy, ecstatic. All of a sudden, he was knocked down. A light came from the heavens. He was knocked down. A voice came. Saul, Saul, why you persecuted me? That shocked him. Shot him in two or three ways. Number one way, a light from 
the heavens and a voice from above. And one charged him, knowing his name. You see, charging him by name. So, so, why you persecuted me? Well, Francis, I think that this part of the story of Paul is quite well known. His conversion and how the Lord met him in such a dynamic way on the road to Damascus. But what isn't so well known is the revelation that Paul received about the Jesus Christ that confronted him and saved him directly. What is this corporate me that Paul encountered? Well, that's a wonderful, wonderful revelation. When the Lord Jesus said to Saul, Why are you persecuting me? That was a real shock to Saul. His concept was that he was persecuting followers of Jesus, the Jesus who he thought was dead and and buried. But when this voice came from heaven, he was surprised and shocked and cried out, Who are you, Lord? You know, it's amazing the revelation that's contained in that little two-letter word, me. Why are you persecuting me? And then the answer that Saul gave back to this voice, Who are you, Lord? Once he said, Lord, then Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Saul thought he was persecuting Peter and John and the others, but now the voice from heaven said, Me. Who is this me? Well, this is the corporate Jesus. This is the Jesus that's not only the head, but also the body. Saul was touching the members on the earth, but the one from the heavens said, Why are you persecuting me? Who is this me? This one is both the head in the heavens and the body on the earth. Saul got a divine revelation that characterized all his epistles, 14 of them. That revelation was Christ and the church. Francis, I think if our readers are familiar with many of his other epistles, particularly Ephesians and and those that touch this matter of the body, I think the words that we've heard today, if now we'll go back and reread this portion of Scripture prayerfully, opening our being, I believe we can all receive this same revelation that when we touch a member of Christ, we are touching Christ. That's right. And this is part of the revelation the apostle got that he said he was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Well, Francis, we've got a marvelous portion again. Let's rejoin Witness Lee, and we'll be back for more fellowship. Saul knew that he was persecuting somebody. To his consideration, he was persecuting Jesus' followers. And all Jesus' followers were men on this earth. But now the voice came from the heavens and told him that he was persecuting this one from the heavens. So this was a great shock, not only a great shock, but also a great surprise to him. A heavenly light, a heavenly way, a heavenly voice, and a heavenly one. Yet this one charged him that he persecuted this one. So he said, Lord, you see, not knowing the Lord, he called the Lord. Lord, who are you? The answer was that, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Strange. Paul would say, I never persecuted Jesus. 
I persecuted Jesus followers. I persecuted Stephen. I persecuted so many Jesus followers. I didn't persecute Jesus. Jesus was buried. Jesus was in the tomb. Yet, now Jesus came from the heavens. Have you noticed? Luke doesn't give us further details. Just this much. You have to know this much was an adequate gospel. An adequate gospel the Lord Jesus preached to Saul. He heard the gospel. You may wonder, how, brotherly, you could say that this is a gospel. The voice didn't say anything about redemption. The voice didn't say anything about uh, crucifixion, about the cross, about the shedding of blood, uh, about the redeeming blood, and about resurrection. The voice doesn't say anything like this. But this one was speaking to Saul, a sinner, even an enemy, an opponent, from the heaven, and uh, admitting that he was Jesus. You have to know, just the name Jesus is an adequate gospel. Surely Paul knew the significance of this title. Paul knew both Hebrew and Greek. And the name Jesus, I would say, is a composition of Hebrew and Greek. And this word of composition, you all know, means Jehovah the Savior. You tell me, isn't this a gospel? Jehovah the Savior. Proverbs today, we don't know that much about the meaning of Jehovah. Surely Paul knew. Paul knew. Paul was taught. Surely the Hebrew rabbis, they all knew the meaning, the significance of the divine title Jehovah. Have you noticed that Paul didn't uh, see anything for three days? The Lord did it. The Lord closed up his smart, clever mind by closing up his eyes. He learned a lot of the Hebrew. He learned a lot of the Greek. He learned a lot of Roman politics. He learned all the Western cultural things. Now the Lord closed his eyes. So don't learn anything. Think about me. Think about who this Jesus is. Francis, once again, we have a point that seems to be in relative obscurity, but we have learned from this ministry, I think, often enough, that it's uh, frequently these neglected small details that unveil the real riches of the Bible. Say something, if you would, about how this great man, this most significant of all persecutors, Saul of Tarsus, needed the assistance of one of the little members of the Lord's body. Well, this great man, you called him, got subdued and was blinded even for a time. Not only spiritually, he was blinded physically. No doubt, as Brother Lee pointed out, he was praying during that time. When he got uh, that bright light that came down and fell to the ground, 
Some say he was riding a horse, whether he was or not, but anyway, he fell to the ground, and that voice came to him. Now, God didn't come to him directly to open his eyes after that event, even though he spoke to him from the heavens. Yet, the Lord Jesus had said to him, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. And then he became blind, and God didn't come to directly open his eyes or to bring him into a further revelation of God's plan and purpose. But God found a small, insignificant, but obedient believer, Ananias, whom he sent to contact Saul and lay his hands on him and say, Saul, brother, the Lord has sent me, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road on which you were coming, so that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Through the coming to him of Ananias, Saul received the light that the corporate me included both the head in the heavens and the body on earth. And he was led by his hand. This was a big revelation which later was developed and unfolded more and more through this apostle, now called Paul. Francis, it's a marvelous picture. His salvation was begun, really initiated and undertaken directly by the head and completed by a member of the body. Paul got a full salvation, didn't he? He got a full salvation indeed. Well, another marvelous life study. I hope that our listeners are enjoying uh, these broadcasts equally as much as we are, Francis. And the book of Acts has become altogether new. And we ask you if you'll continue to stay with us in the coming days ahead. I hope to stay with you as long as we can get through book of Acts together. We will do that. Thank you, Francis. And I, we appreciate that you're with us also, and that's what means the most. Uh, and to let us know that you're there, we certainly invite you to contact us. We've made a few means available for you to do that. Let me tell you our toll-free number, one eight 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 life study That's 543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at LSM. If you're on the Internet and would like to be able to listen to these broadcasts uh, when it's convenient for your schedule, our entire library of Life Study Radio programs is available on the Internet 24 hours a day at our website, and our website is located at www.lsm.org. And we hope that you all listening will be back with us again. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee ministered the Word of God for over seven decades. Many consider these life studies as his seminal work, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Spirit. If you'd like to find more about Witness Lee, these life study messages or any of the materials provided by Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. That's lsm.org. You can also email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. 
Thanks for listening today.